Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, if you recall, we looked at what kind of soil the seed of the gospel has in our hearts, what our hearts look like. We looked, number one, at those hardened hearts. If you remember that, those are hearts that just, they don't, they want nothing to do with the gospel. Many times, folks who have that heart, they have been hurt. And I want to share with you this morning, church, that it was brought to my attention last week, even active church members can have a hardened heart because of stuff that goes on. We looked at that heart that is oblivious uh, to what's been said. I shared with you last week, I will always share from the pulpit anytime I have the opportunity to preach that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And there are folks who are oblivious to that point this morning. They don't want to hear that point this morning because it goes against this selfishness that they live in, enjoying this season of sin. And I shared with you last week, and you all know this, sin is fun for a season, Amen. It is. It, listen, if, if, okay, I can only speak for me. Apparently, y'all don't understand this, and that's good. It doesn't apply to you. That's good. But in my life for 19 years, sin was fun. But one day, as I shared with you last week, Jesus found, found me hiding in the back pew of, a, of an old country church, and he saved me. But up to that point, I was oblivious to what, what the gospel seed was. We looked last week at that troubled heart, that, that the cares of the world, uh, we get a little bit of root, uh, root set in, and then we, the troubles of the world come, the world closes in on us, that medical diagnosis comes, uh, whatever, that job downsizing, the financial burden, and we're blown over because our roots are not very deep. Then we looked at that distracted heart that loves the church, loves God, loves their family, loves all these things, but the distractions of the world overtake us. Uh, the Little League season, baseball season, boating season. I remember there was a gentleman that uh, I had the privilege, he attended here, he's a friend of Charlie Wolfinger's, and his name was Charlie. And uh, Charlie, I, I, we witnessed to Charlie, and Charlie got saved down in Kentucky where he lived, and I had the privilege uh, to go and uh, uh, ba help baptize that old boy, and he, we baptized him, he baptized him in the river. And I was walking down the boat ramp, and my feet slipped out from under me, and I got baptized again that day too. But shortly after that, Charlie began attending church down in Kentucky, closer to his home. And every Sunday, he would call me 
or he'd call Charlie Wolfinger and we would talk. And one Sunday he called me and he said, Preacher, uh, he said, we were coming to Grace today. But he said, listen, I, I, I bought a boat and we're going to take this boat out today. And I said, brother, here, and this is, if you don't believe me, ask Charlie Wolfinger. I told him, I said, brother, I pray that that boat doesn't sink. About 20 minutes after church, we get a phone call from this guy, and he goes, listen, you don't know what you did to me. We left the plug at the truck, and we almost sunk the boat. <laughs> Can I tell you, God will take the distractions out of our lives. You all understand that, right? Anything that comes between us and him and our relationship and our love with him, he'll sink it. I'm proof of that. But we looked at that distracted heart. Then we looked at that fertile heart where the seed of the gospel falls and takes deep roots and grows up and produces much fruit. This week we're looking at the, at the thought of grow. What are we growing? For in our time together, I want us to look and see what's happening in our lives today. If we've got that fertile soil of the gospel and that seed has been put in there, what is taking place and what are we, what are we expecting? Christians, listen, I, I, some of you are going to disagree with this. Christian growth does not just happen. We don't just wake up one morning and know all of eschatology or all of church history or all the doctrines. That doesn't happen. We must grow in our walk and our faith with Christ. It just does not happen. And there are many factors uh, that take place. Number one is, is how much time. How much time do we spend in the Word of God? If you want to know why life is stagnant and your walk is tired and stagnant, compare it to the time that you and I spend in God's Word. Oh, that we, now I'm going to really make some of you mad here in just a minute. Oh, that we would spend as much time with our Bible in our hand as we do our cell phones. Oh, what, where would we be, church? And I'm guilty. Listen, I get a report every Sunday, uh, Brother Gary, on how much time I spend on my phone. And I haven't gotten it today, but I'll guarantee you it's going to be five or six hours. Oh, that that five or six hours would have been spent more in God's Word. That's why I'm grateful that God is allowing me to be here in these days because he's put me back in my study and he's put me back in his Word and looking to see a word for Grace Baptist Church in these days. Some of the other factors are communication or fellowship with other believers. We need to be together to support one another. That's why we need to gather together as we worship, gather in small groups in Sunday school. Those, all those times, those, the trip to the merry-go-round, listen, you're going there to eat, but that's fellowship and that's growth. Personal prayer time is a factor, and personal and corporate worship is a factor in how we grow. Now, let me ask you, growth, or let me just make a statement, growth, I pray that you and I understand that growth comes from God and God alone. There are folks that read the Word of God through two or three times a year, but it never finds any change in their life. We cannot read this precious book or pray those precious prayers just to check off something on a list. We must do it to change. And God, we can read the Bible, we can read every commentary, but till God brings the increase in our knowledge and our understanding, we will not grow. A couple of things I want you to... Number one, what do you expect to happen when you plant a seed? If you're a gardener or a flower person, 
I told you, don't, don't ask me to do that. But if you're a flower person or a garden person, just out the road from the camp, there's a, there's a, 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 a curve in the road, and off on the, on the left-hand or the right-hand side of the road there, uh, there's a senior adult couple. I don't know them. I don't know how old they are, but from their appearance from the road, they have several years on them. They plant the most beautiful garden you've ever seen. They have tomato plants and green beans and corn and squash and all this. And they every, I'm, I'm past that spot a couple of times a day. And when I go past there, there's not a weed to be found. There's a 55-gallon drum that they have filled, and it sits there with water. And they come out, and they water that thing two or three times a day. And I'll tell you from the road, some of those tomatoes look like they're that big around. Some of those ears of corn look like they're that big around. And oh, sweet Jesus, I'd love to stop and meet them one day. Uh, because they, they know what to expect because they have expected their garden to grow because they have cultivated that garden. Today, what are we expecting from what's been planted? What are we expecting to grow from what's been planted in our hearts? Number one, I want you to see that spiritual growth is not human growth. First, First Corinthians chapter 3, verses six, 5 and 6 there, and here's what it says again. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos who, uh, but ministers through whom you believed? As the Lord gave to each of you, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Can I tell you, you and I can have the greatest programs on the planet, but if God does not give the increase in those programs and the gospel doesn't grow in us to share with other people, uh, it is, um, we must understand that it is God and God alone. Doing some little history on this passage, uh, I understand that Paul had, spent, had to spend a lot of time with the Corinthian church leaders because they were worried about who was the best. You know what? We have that today. Oh, oh, Pastor so-and-so. Man, I tell you what, he is the most handsome-looking guy. He dresses to the nines. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, such-and-such such church. They, they, they do this and that. They're on TV and all that. Listen, please hear me. It is not the size of the church or the well-dressedness of the pastor. It is the gospel seed growing in the hearts of believers that makes a church great. There's a, some of the largest, there's a church in our, in our country today, they'll, they'll average 40,000 over the weekend in attendance and past uh, behavior says that they will never hear the name of Jesus during those service times. Listen, I pray, I want you to know right now, Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the only one that can bring growth and increase in us. He is the only one that we can serve and serve adequately. And I was watching a, a report this week about some of these uh, multi-millionaire televangelists. And let me tell you, uh, your, your sowing seed in my ministry is not sowing seed in God's ministry. Y'all hear that, right? If you're giving that to me in my name, that's nothing. What we ought to do is when we give, we give to him because he is the one that brings the increase. It's not human growth. And the Apostle Paul, again, had to spend too much time, I believe, uh, straightening this out. And he takes time to remind the Corinthian church that great leaders are merely servants of the Most High God. And all the fighting in that day needed to cease, and they needed to turn their eyes back to God and understand that, the, that God, it is God that makes the big things grow. 
Today, I pray you and I would covet together. That we would not focus on the temporal things that choke out growth in our hearts and in our minds, but we would concentrate and turn our eyes toward that master gardener who loves us, who sent his only begotten son to us, and who is the only one that can bring growth in these old hearts. Spiritual growth does not come by human hands. It comes solely from, as a gift of God. Number two, I want you to see uh, that we are God's field. You all understand that, right? We are God's field. 1 Corinthians here, chapter 3, verses 7 and 9. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For again, once again, we are God's fellow workers You are God's field. You are God's building. Church, I pray this morning you and I would understand. We are co-laborers with Christ. That means that when we go someplace, he goes someplace. Y'all understand that, right? When the Holy Spirit came and took up residence in us, that every place we go, listen, y'all aren't hearing me, every place we go. Let me ask you, church, have you been someplace where you... The Holy Spirit may not have, should have been. Have we done anything that maybe the Holy Spirit should not have seen? Have we said something that maybe the Holy Spirit should not have heard? We are God's field. Paul is telling us there, listen, you are partners with him. You are co-laborers with him. And this is one thing that I do know for sure. I don't know a lot, but I do know this. God is interested in in our growth. He is interested in you and I growing in the depth of our knowledge and love and service for him. You know, I shared with you last week what Junior Hill said. We need to be a mile deep and five miles wide instead of five miles wide and an inch deep. Y'all get that, right? God's interested in our growth. That's why he sent us his word. That's why he sends us teachers. That's why he sends us preachers. That's why he sends us those men and women who speak into our lives because he's interested in our growth. Verse 9 there again says that we are his co-laborers. We are his his work partners. And in order to grow, we must know the job to which we have been called. And this morning, I want to share with you, you and I have been called to share the good news that Jesus saves. We do that through the food bank. We do that through Sunday morning worship, the choir, Sunday school, the youth activities on, uh, on Wednesday nights. We do all of those things. We know, we understand the job, what the job is when we show up this coming Wednesday night because that's part of the job. And we come and we're prayed up and ready to do what God has called us to do. One scholar wrote this. He said, we must act with wisdom and immerse ourselves in community with others who love Jesus and are growing themselves. That's that's what we do in Sunday school. That's what we do in worship. That's what we do when we have fellowship meals. That's what we have when we have small groups. If we have small groups outside of the church, that's what we do. And we are immersing ourselves with those who love Christ because that's going to help us grow. And we certainly need that strength when we go outside the four walls of the church and the lost world is waiting there for us. And I want to tell you 
that not even a Christian camp is safe from the world. Let me tell you what happened to me yesterday. I'm sitting in my office at the house reconciling some receipts for our office manager because I'm going to be gone for a week. And I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm doing this and we'd already taken the dog to the groomer and all of a sudden we have a big uh, thing of sleigh bells on the front door and our dog goes up and she smacks them when she wants to go outside and go potty. And uh, she's already gone. I heard those bells ring and the door came open. I heard a voice I did not know say, Hello! Will's in bed, Annalise's in the shower. I'm sitting here, I can, I can see the door. There's someone standing in the door. He's just busted up into my house. And I walked out there and said, sir, can I help you? And he said, I'm here for the black truck. And I said, sir, number one, you're standing in my house. I don't know you. Please step outside and then we'll talk. And I stepped around and bless God, I look out and the black truck that I'm driving that belongs to the camp, it's sitting in my front yard. I didn't park it there, by the way. And I step out and said, sir, are you stealing my truck? And he says, oh, no, no, no. God sent me to get it. He told me to bring you my truck, and I'm going to take your truck. And as spiritually as I could muster, uh, I said, you're out of your mind. <laughs> and so he, he stepped up on me. And said, so I, as spiritually as I could tell him, Sir, you better sit down on that porch before I knock you off this porch. And he was really compliant, and he sat there. But he had come on the camp to steal my truck. Not necessarily, he wasn't, he wasn't targeting me, because he was leaving a perfectly good truck. It was still running in my backyard. And he began to quote scripture to me. And he opened his Bible and he began reading scripture to me. And he says, oh, sir, I can tell that you're anointed and you'll know that God sent me to get this truck. Son, let me tell you, you let God tell me that. I want to tell you, there are those out there who will tell you God has told them to do X, Y, Z. That is not growth. Anything that would be contrary to the Word of God. Anything that would be a detriment to the local New Testament church. This man said that I was interfering with the will of God because I was not going to let him take my truck. Listen, son, again, you let God tell me that you can have it. If God tells me that, son, you go, you, go, you go with God. But I say that to say that God is interested in our growth that is real growth. Not just checking off those boxes or just saying, well, God told me to do X, Y, Z. God is interested in our growth. And I want to ask you this morning, church, where are you growing? Have you stopped growing individually? Because, see, when we, when we stop growing individually, that means that we're stagnant and we're going to die. Because the moment you stop growing, you know, I started dying the day I was born. But the moment we stop growing, either growing young or growing old, the moment we stop, we are dead. Number three, I want you to see that uh, in God's field, growth is not an option. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as babes in Christ. Verse 2, he said, I fed you with milk 
and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Listen, when Will was a baby, you all helped us raise him. He used to sit on Miss Wanda's lap. Now he'd probably be able to hold Wanda and, and, uh, and Angela and probably Kevin Mackey and a couple of others here. But when he was little, we didn't give him steak to eat. We gave him milk. And then we gave him milk for a while. Then we gave him formula. And then we gave him baby food. And then it took over a progression of time. He began, and now he can, listen, he can eat with the best of us. But please understand, growth in God's field is not an option. It is something that he expects to happen in the life of his children. I expected Will to grow when he was little. Uh, Dr. David Schultz here in Evansville is our family physician when we were here. And he said, Rick, what I want you to do when he's two years old, and he was about two when we came here, he said, Rick, when, whatever height he is at two, you double that, and that's where he's going to finish out. Okay, you went to school to learn that old wives' tale? At two years old, my son was 40 inches tall. Today he is 80 inches tall, which is six foot eight inches. I expected him to grow. Not like that. But I expected him to grow. So I hope you understand this morning that in God's field, growth is not an option. He expects you and I to grow in our walk, grow in our service, grow in, his, grow in our love for him. And here's what will happen. I believe. If you and I grow properly in our love for God... Our love for the lost and dying world in Evansville is going to grow as well. And we will not be able to help ourselves. But every opportunity we have is to tell somebody about my Jesus. Personal growth, or growth is God's business. Our responsibility is to take the steps in our lives to be an agent of change. That the soil is right. That the nurture is right. That the sunshine that it gets is right. That the water and the fertilizer and, and the, the cultivating and all that is right. But it ultimately it is God's responsibility for the growth. But you and I cannot pray for God to dig a hole and then you and I lean on the shovel. Y'all understand that, right? Growth is not an option. Here's why growth is not an option. And I've told this story here, and I've told it in many, many places. There was a gentleman several years ago. He's, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. He, uh, he worked at Bustler Enterprises. Many of you will remember Dan Reynolds. Dan, we baptized him here. Dan went in the hospital for back surgery and I had shared with Dan, and Charlie had shared with Dan, and Pastor Ray had shared with Dan, and others had shared with Dan. And when we would ask Dan, Dan, when, do you know Jesus? Are you, are you saved? And he would always say, I hope so. Just so you know, in preacher language, that means you're probably not. Dan went into the hospital to have back surgery. They had, him on the they had him in the operating room. They had him on the table. They were getting ready to cut him open. And he had a massive heart attack on that table. 
I get a call, hey, Brother Rick, Dan's at the hospital. He, you, I was already on my way, and he said, but he's suffered a massive heart attack. Uh, they don't know if he's going to make it. For only time in my ministry, I was able, I walked into that, that operating room where they had him. They'd put him on another table. They'd put him on a heart monitor. I could see his heart and all the stuff going on up here in this, in this thing. And I walk in, and for the first time in, my, in all of my ministry, I shared, I said, Dan, this ain't looking good. Man, it, it's not. It, 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 is, it, is not, it is not looking good for you to leave this place the way you came in. And I said, Dan, I need you to, I need to know, are you saved? And he said, I think so. And my heart was broken, so I went through the plan of salvation with that man as simply as I could. And when we got done, it was not the prayer that saved him, but it was a changed heart that I saw change on this monitor. And Dan on that table near death prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save him. Can I tell you, growth is always growth if we'll let God be in charge of it. That old boy that day on that table got saved. And we baptized him sometime later. Beloved, I want to share with you, growth is growth. And God, that day, was in charge of that growth. There wasn't anything I could have done for him. The doctors couldn't save him. The doctors had already written him off. So, what that, what, Rick, what's that mean for, you, for us today? I'm glad you asked. It means it does not matter where you and I are in our walk with Christ. We can still grow. We can grow in our understanding of who God is. We can grow in our walk. We can grow in our service as we go to the food bank and go to Sunday school and kids camps coming up and all of these other things. We can grow in our, try to grow in our understanding. But ultimately, regardless of what the area of growth is, God is in charge of the growth and God alone. Lastly, this morning, I pray that you would see that, uh, that in, in this day and age, that we would recognize adversity as an opportunity for growth. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall, and when you, yeah, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I don't know about anybody else in this place, and Annalisa would amen this, it took God a long time to grow some patience in this old boy. And now I know I'm the only one in this place. I know there's not a single man in this place that has never struggled with patience. I'm sure there's not a single woman in this place that's ever struggled with patience. But I want to tell you, God did a good work when he... And listen, the problem is the older I get, the less patient I get. And so now I'm having to... Having, God's going to have to grow that in me one more time, I think. But think about what James is saying here. Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into trials. God, do you know what I'm going through? God, do you know that our pastor of 17 years and one day, God, do you know that he just resigned and walked out the door? God, do you know that milk is $6 a gallon and eggs are $6.50 a dozen and gas is this and this and on and on? Listen, beloved, he knows. Because he's always interested in our growth and in our lives. I, with all that I know, 
I assure you today that God knows exactly where every one of his children are. Not necessarily physically in church, but where we are in our walk. And from the youngest to the oldest in this auditorium this morning, we all have room for growth. If you come to me after the church, after the service, and say, Brother Rick, I have arrived. If you come and say, listen, I have learned all there is to know. I, I, I have arrived. I'm going to say, that's cool. And then I'm going to go on my way because as I understand God's word, we're not complete until we get there. Part of going through adversity is help is getting help and the comfort and the growth and the love and support from our church family. One of the saddest testimonies I ever heard during my time at Grace Baptist Church was a lady stood up one, one Wednesday night and she said, I have never felt comfortable. I have never felt safe sharing the struggles in my life with people in this church. I remember that vividly. I remember the lady was standing right over there, fourth pew or fifth pew in. And I remember her saying that, and those words haunt me to this day. Because, beloved, listen to me. Within the confines of this auditorium, This ought to be the safest place in the world for God's people to bring their struggles and their hurts and their anxieties and their depressions, lay them on this altar, share them with their church family, and know that it's not going to end up on Facebook. This ought to be the safest place you and I will ever come because this is where growth happens. And please understand that is not a sign of weakness. Now there, I'll be honest with you, there was a day that I, that I probably thought that that would be a sign of weakness if I was to come and say, oh, I'm battling depression or I'm battling anxiety or I'm battling this sin or I'm bad. But let me tell you, church, this ought to be the safest place we ever end up. Because this is where our growth is. This is where our growth is uh, fertilized and, and, and cultivated. But I pray that we would take adversity as an opportunity for growth. Adversity will do one of two things. It'll make us better or it'll make us bitter. And in the growing life of a believer, I pray that adversity would cause us to grow better and closer. In the days ahead, there are going to be some, going to be some weird days at Grace because here's what's going to happen. The devil is still alive and well, just so you know. And from now until God sends the next man to pastor this church, the devil's going to have a heyday with that. He's going to try to sow deceit. He's going to try to sow sow, uh, dissension. He's going to want the church to be dismayed and greatly afraid because there is not a full-time pastor 
He is going to show his, rear his ugly head in families like never before. Because as Robert, Brother Robert had shared, uh, part, of the, our, part of the pastoral history here is pastors have always, and especially Ray Dieter, have always uh, gone through the adversities of life that we would share with him. But can I tell you today, the devil has no place in this house because it belongs to God and all of God's children here are seeking to grow deeper and stronger and in more in love with him today than they were yesterday. I read a quote this week. It said, I may not be where I want to be, but I am not where I used to be. That's God-given growth. Church, run with it. And here, one more thing, and then I'm done. Here's how I know growth is important, and we never stop growing this side of heaven. Philippians 1.6 said this, being confident of this very thing, that he, meaning God, who began a good work in you and me, He's going to continue it. He's going to complete it. He's going to keep doing it day after day after day until the day that Jesus comes. Church, would you give the Lord a great hallelujah? Here's my challenge to you today, church. You may be in this auditorium this morning and you have never, never been asked about your sin. I know if you've been here more than one service, I know you have been. But maybe you've never been asked, well, what do you intend to do with your sin? If you're here this morning or joining us on the internet, can I tell you, if you've never asked Jesus to save you, you will not enter heaven. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man, no woman, no boy, no girl will come to the Father except by me. The great news is if you're here this morning or you're watching us online, all you have to do is ask Jesus to save you. We make it difficult sometimes, but it's as simple as the ABCs that we teach our children. A, we admit that we are sinners, and guess what? We're all sinners. I love you all in the Lord, but we're all sinners. My mama was a sinner. My daddy was a sinner. My grandma was a sinner. But then we need to believe that Jesus is God's Son. And the Bible says that God sent His only begotten Son. That whosoever would believe in Him would not perish or go to hell, but have everlasting life. And then we need to confess Him as Savior and Lord. And friends, please understand. That confession of Christ ought to roll off our tongues as easily as grandparents in this place talk about their grandchildren. As easily as I can confess to you, when we get done here, our plans have changed, and so we're going to have lunch. And right now, it's my understanding we're going out to the Golden Corral. Honey, listen, the way to my heart is a buffet. You know what buffet stands for, right? It's big, ugly, fat folk eating together. That's what that means. <laughs> and as easily as I can confess to you how much I enjoy the Golden Buffet or the Golden Corral, I need to be able to share with you that I love Jesus and he saved me and I asked him to forgive me of my sins. And on October the 20th, 1984 at Viney Fork Baptist Church, he forgave my sin and called me to be one of his own. It was that simple. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't, I, didn't do any, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about anything other than that day. I knew that I was a sinner and God had sent his only begotten son some 2,000 years ago and to die. And that day, on that altar, 
I cried out and asked God to save me. And he did. If you're here this morning, it can be that easy for you. If you're joining us online, it is that easy for you right where you are to just bow and ask the Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know if I die right now, I would bust the gates of hell wide open. But Father, I want to believe that you sent your only begotten Son to die in my place. And because of what he did for me, God, I want to confess him right now in this place as my Savior and as my God. Beloved, it is not the prayer that saves you. It's the change in the heart. And so this morning, we're coming to our time of invitation. I wouldn't wait for the first note to be played or the first word to be sung. The altar's here. The deacons are going to be on either side. I will be here. And Elisa's in the back. There are others. Would count it all joy to pray with you. Uh, if, you're, if you're here and you've been uh, praying through, hey, I'm, I wonder if Grace would be a great church home for me. I want to tell you, Grace would be a great church home for you. Maybe you're here and the cares of life have piled up on you. I, I get that. We get that a lot because of the craziness that we live in today. Can I tell you, the, the deacons are here. Again, I'm here. And we'd love to pray for you and, and pray the, the peace of God over you in these circumstances because I know life is crazy. Maybe this morning you don't know why you're here. Maybe you just walked in the door and you have no understanding why you're here. You see one of these men standing outside or myself and we'll share with you. Because I don't believe there's anybody here, ha here by uh, coincidence or happenstance. I believe God sent everybody here today that he wanted here today uh, to worship together. Father, I love you so much. And I thank you for the day, and I thank you for your love for us, and I thank you, God, that you never stop growing us. From the time we were born to the time we die, you never stop growing us. You expect us to grow as your children, as we would expect flowers and plants to grow in our gardens. And Father, we know, because Philippians tells us, that Lord, what you started in us, you're going to keep doing it. You're going to keep on, keeping on as the uh, vernacular of the day. You're going to keep on, and you're going to keep doing in us something until the day that Jesus comes. Father, I pray you would find fertile hearts in this place at 1200 North Garvin Street. If nowhere else in Evansville today, in the 1200 block of North Garvin, Father, I pray you would find hearts that are, the soil is right, the seed has been planted, we're cultivating, we're fertilizing, we're watering, we're exposing them to the sun, and you will find a group of believers growing in our walk to serve and to love you. Father, I pray today you would work in the lives of people in this place. Those who see us online, Lord, whatever you want to do in and through us, God, today, I pray you'd find us willing and able to hear your word and respond to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.